Hey, come on, church. Are you glad to be here? Put your hands together if you are. I love it. You, you are in for a really special treat today. I'm going to tell you more about the format in just a moment. But every Sunday, we take this opportunity to look at the cameras in the back of this room, say a great big hello to our extended church family right in the greater Washington, D.C. area. It's Go Church. As many of you know, we are one church in two locations. So we have our campus right here in the south metro Atlanta area. And then 702 miles north of here in Germantown, Maryland, is our Go Church family. Come on, in-house, can you make some noise for Go Church? Let them know you love them. Come on, let them hear you all the way from the south. There it is. So we bless you guys. We love you so much. I also want to take a moment and say hello to all of the online viewers. Again, I know that because of the holiday weekend and the way that it has fallen, some of you are still traveling. I also know because of the weather, some people are dealing with sickness. And so if you're watching from home today and you're not feeling well, we're praying for you. We speak healing over you. Come on, give me an amen right there. Believing the best for you. Uh, wherever you're watching from, jump in the comment section. Let us know where it is you're watching from so we can stay connected and see all the people from around the world that are tuning in via online. And then always we stop and pause and we give honor to where honor is due, and that is to the incredibly brave military men and women that are serving. Come on, protecting our freedoms. We honor you. We salute you. Wherever it is you're watching from, we love you. Come on a little bit louder. Let them know. Thank you for all that you do. I'm going to tell you more about today's Communicator Sunday in a second, but in the video announcements at both campuses, you heard a little bit about our Christmas Eve gatherings. And so I want to talk about that for a second because here at South Metro, we have two different Christmas Eve gatherings that you can choose from. We've got a 4 p.m. and then we have a 5.30 p.m. gathering or service that will be happening on Christmas Eve. Now, here's why I want you to know this. Uh, admission to Christmas Eve gathering is absolutely free. Everybody say free. There is no cost. However, a ticket is required, and here's why. We're believing that both of those uh, gathering times are going to be to full capacity. It's going to be packed, and we need to have a ticket to prepare for you and your arrival and your friends that are coming in from out of town, your family that's coming in from out of town. So to get in, it's free, but you got to have a ticket. Now, the, uh, the, the red ticket is for the 4 o'clock service. The green ticket is for the 530 so all you have to do is stop by the Next Steps counter. This is at both campuses. Stop by the Next Steps counter. You get your ticket. Get as many as you think that you need uh, for you and your family. 
and you can use the extra ones as invite cards. However, we would love if you turned the extra ones back in because people are going to be begging for tickets, and we want to make sure everybody's got a ticket to get in. So today and over the next few Sundays, we've got these tickets. It's a first-come, first-serve you know, don't take 50 unless you go and bring 50 people. Come on now. But I want you to get a ticket because it's going to be an exceptional, exceptional time of worship as we are calling it home for Christmas. Anybody excited about Christmas? Come on, it's time. So there we go. All right. Well, today is Communicator Sunday, and I am just honored at both of our campuses. We've got 10 different speakers Five here at South Metro and five up at Go Church that are going to be sharing uh, something that the Lord has put on their hearts. Uh, we've worked really hard on today. Uh, I'm telling you, I sat through the first go around and it was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it, it really was. And I'm not just giving you some, some you know, smoke and mirrors here. It was fantastic. Uh, they're anointed, they're gifted communicators. I'll introduce each one of them in just a moment. Let me say a couple things, and then they're going to jump into kind of a, a mini sermon, if you will. Five speakers, each one of them gets five minutes. The first thing I'll say is this. If you got ADD, today's going to be your favorite day in church ever. I'm telling you right now, you're going to love today because we're going to fly through five different speakers. Um, and then you're maybe wondering, well, how did we determine the order of speaking? It was very simple. Um, you might think it was spiritual, and it was. It was a competitive game of rock, paper, scissors, and that's how we ended up with the lineup for today, but we believe that it's ordained by God, and I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. And then, the last thing I'll say is this. We didn't give them a specific topic to speak from, per se. I gave them a question to chew on, to process, to pray through. And this is the question that I presented to them, and this is the question that they'll answer in the next five minutes that's allotted. The question goes like this, what's the one thing that the Lord has been speaking to you in this season? What's the one thing that you've been hearing from the Lord that he's been speaking to you in this season? So here's what I want to do. Now, this isn't a high school graduation or college graduation where you have to hold your applause to the end. As a matter of fact, I want you to erupt in applause as they speak and as they exit. So let's practice that on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Here's the other thing is that they're not just coming up here to entertain you or for you to, to, to have some, you know, uh, moment of just relaxing in the house of the Lord. They're going to preach. I'm telling you, they're going to preach. So if any one of them, and I feel like it will be all of them, they say something or something is spoken that speaks to your heart about the season of life that you're in, then I expect you to respond with a good amen. Let's practice that on three. One, two, three. Or the best one is where it's so good, you just slap your neighbor. Let's try that one. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. I don't want you to do that. You're in for a big treat. And so I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to let them jump in here and share with you. First up, kicking us off, is uh, one of our most recent hires at our Atlanta campus. His name is Ben Warwick. He's married to Emily. They got Judah, who's just, what, three-ish months, oh, four months old now. So uh, we're just really proud that you're awake right now because having a newborn is not easy. This is an absolutely beautiful family. Many of you have gotten to know them through different opportunities. Pastor Ben has shared from this pulpit 
uh, in recent weeks, and he's an incredibly gifted and anointed communicator. We hired him on as an associate pastor to oversee uh, what we call the outreach of the church. And so he's over local outreach, world missions, and even overseeing all of the volunteers of the church, which, by the way, we have over 350 volunteers at this campus alone. So it's a big job for him. I believe that God's given him a word, and you're in for a really nice treat today. Can you put your hands together? Welcome, Pastor Ben Warren. Come on, church. Here it is. I think that's my son. Over there crying. Are you ready for the word this morning? We good? Come on, if you're with me, say amen. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read just seven verses right off the bat. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, The wife of a man from a company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor has come to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? In fact, tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small small jar of oil. Look at your neighbor and say, oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put one to the side. She left him and shut the door behind her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. The oil has stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and said, go sell all the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what? Is left. You know, in the economy world and really in the business world, and I believe even in the kingdom world, there is this principle of supply and demand. As long as there is a demand, there is a supply somewhere for what it is that you want. And I believe as long as we put a demand on God for his presence, for his power, for his anointing, that God will continue to pour out as long as we have made ourselves available. And I don't believe he just wants to pour out just a small amount. I believe God wants to meet both your current needs and your future needs. And so that's what he does in this moment. He not only fixes her situation, but she lives off of this, continually moving forward. But the oil, it represents so much in this moment. And I believe God is trying to pour out in this house and in this church something special in these next few seasons. You know, we do some weird things at Thanksgiving and at, and at holidays. Let me, in fact, let me pick on white people for just a moment, okay? I'm going to do it. Here's how it works, okay? Every year at Thanksgiving or Christmas, you gather together, whoever's doing the cooking, and they pick the menu of what they want to eat, and then they come to this question eventually at the end of saying, hey, what time do you want to eat? And for some reason, I don't know why, we pick like 2 p.m., or like, let's all meet together at 3 p.m. Not never have you eaten at dinner at 3 p.m. No one eats dinner at 3 p.m., right? And so here's the problem. We set this big feast, this big meal for this odd hour, and no doubt at 12 o'clock, guess where I am? I'm in the fridge, and I'm hunting. I'm already eating on some of the ham that's already been cooked. You know what I'm saying? Can I get an amen? And uh, we eat this snack. And what I find is that when I come to 3 p.m., I'm like this weird 
pace of almost full, and I don't want to eat, yet there's this big spread laid before me. And I heard the Lord say, that's the issue. We come into God's house, we're ready uh, for what we think we're, we're going to re- receive, but we've already sampled something that is temporary, that's just a snack, come on somebody. It's just something small to fill a hole. And what God does is he prepares a feast for his people, but yet we are full of something that is not what he wanted. It's not what he wants to pour into our lives in this moment. And instead of arriving ready to feast on what the Father has prepared, we arrive without an appetite and we arrive full. Full of things that don't matter. And we wonder why there's no provision. We wonder why there's no peace. We wonder why there's no anointing in our lives. We wonder why we can't get the breakthrough. It's because God has the breakthrough ready. He wants to dump it on us, but we've already filled it full of something else. In the jar, you know, the jar, she must have grabbed some like big jars. She filled up so much, she paid her debts off, everything. And I believe, hear me out, what God is about to do in this next season of this church is going to be incredible. I mean supernatural what God is fixing to do. We feel it in our staff, we feel it in the presence. But I believe the Lord told me this morning that some people in this room are going to be underwhelmed by what they see. And they're going to be underwhelmed because they come into the room with just a little jar. And so when God tries to pour out his full anointing on the house and his full anointing on us, all you've got is a small snack for what God is trying to do in this time and in this moment. So what is God speaking to me in this next season? I believe God is saying prepare for the overflow. Prepare for an overflow of salvations. Prepare for an overflow of my anointing, an overflow of healing, of financial breakthrough. And so the Lord is speaking this very clear to me. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Because what I did in the past was great, but what I'm doing now is okay. But what I'm about to do, baby, is about to come down in the house. The flow, the anointing is about to come. So I ask you this question today. Have you prepared? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on. Put your hands together, man. Fantastic. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. You know, one of the things that he alluded to is this, that as long as as she had a jar, he continued to pour. Did you catch that? Uh, The Bible says it like this in Matthew 5, 16. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled and that's our prayer moving into 2019 as we close out this year is that, that we come prepared, that we come prepared with these jars because if we have the jars, then he'll do the pouring. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together. Pastor Ben, awesome word, man. Awesome word. Uh, you, got, you got a few more. I hope you're enjoying this. The next up uh, to share with us their heart is no stranger uh, to the ministry of South Metro. As a matter of fact, she's a daughter of the house. Her name is Christina Fowler. Uh, Christina and her family started attending this church many, many years ago, and over the last couple of years, we've watched Christina grow and mature into the calling that is on her life, and then uh, just a couple months back, we actually made an offer to bring her on the team full-time to serve as the director of our middle school ministry. And as many of you know, that age group specifically, they need some special attention. That's a tough age group to work with. And Christina has just done an exceptional job already loving on those middle schoolers. And I'm telling you right now, the girl can flat bring it. And let me say one more thought. It's also really encouraging to see women in ministry. Come on. And so we're honored to have you. We're honored to hear from you. Come on, can you put your hands together and welcome our middle school director, Christina Fowler. Come on. Good morning, everybody. 
Good morning, yes. When Pastor JC asked the staff, you know, what is something that you're feeling in this season? What is something that God is dealing with you personally in this season? And I was praying, and it just dropped into my spirit. God said, what can steal your hallelujah? What can take away that praise, that hallelujah that God has given you deep inside? What can take that? And in, the, in, in life, the enemy tries so hard to steal our joy, tries so hard to steal our hallelujah. When the enemy sees the calling that we have on our lives, it's like he puts a target on our forehead. It's like he puts a target attacking us with arrows full of worry, arrows full of doubt, arrows full of fear, discouragement. Anything that you can deal with, he's throwing those arrows at you. But what I am here to tell you today is that nothing can steal your hallelujah. Nobody around you can take away that praise that's deep inside. For eight years of my life, I took antidepressants. I took antidepressants just to try and counteract the worry, the fear, the depression that the enemy tried to place inside of me. And that's not me saying that I don't agree with taking medicine or I don't agree that you should go to the doctor when you're sick because in Matthew it says that there's physicians and you're supposed to use them when you are sick. But what I am saying is that the enemy knew that was my weakness and he used that against me. He used the, my mind as a battlefield. He used a, my mind to discourage me, to fill me with worry, fill me with anxiety, fill me with depression. And from the moment that I graduated, he had declared war on, my, on me and on my mind. When you wake up in the morning and the enemy tries to take away your praise, when he tries to take away that hallelujah that God has placed inside of you, when he tries to tell you that those chains of addiction and that have been broken through the deliverance of God, when he tries to take that away, when he tries to tell you that that marriage that has been mended through the grace of God isn't going to work out, when he tries to take away that calling that he specifically gave each and every one of us, when he tries to take that away, you stand firm and you say not today, Satan. You stand firm and you declare that my God's promises are bigger than anything the enemy puts me through. You declare not today such a simple phrase such a simple phrase you declare and you put warfare back on satan you declare war on the enemy for he's the one no not today i'll tell you today first service they got me fired up they got me fired up so where are you guys at today when you say not today satan when you declare war on satan the enemy falls he falls beneath your feet he is no match for you when you call on the name of Jesus Christ, when you call on God, when you say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. When you say, Jesus, I need you, the enemy falls. The word of God says that he falls beneath our feet. In Psalm 45, 3 through 6, it says, put on your sword, O mighty warrior. You are so glorious and so majestic. In your majesty, ride out to victory. Defending truth, humility, and justice, you go forth to perform all inspiring deeds. Your arrows are sharp. Your arrows are sharp, piercing the enemy's hearts. The nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O oh God, endures forever and ever. What this word says right here, when you declare war on Satan, those arrows that you shoot pierce his heart. Those arrows that you throw back at him cause him to fall beneath your feet. The enemy doesn't belong above you. He doesn't belong above you. He belongs below you. And when you declare 
We need to declare not today, Satan. And you shoot those arrows back at him. Where does he go? Under your feet. He goes under your feet. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which is he's anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Instead of waking up and giving in to the worry, to the anxiety, to the fear that the enemy tries to throw at you, when you stand firm on your faith, when you declare that my God is greater than anything that I can ever go through, when my God is the one who healed me from my sickness, when my God is the one who delivered me from those chains of addiction, when my God has mended that marriage that may be broken, when you stand firm in that, because where God has brought you from is far greater than what the enemy can take you through. And I wanna remind you of that today. Come on, church. I, I, I was, I was, my, my pen was going so fast. Did you catch that last line, though? Uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because, Christine, it's so profound. What God has brought you from is far greater than what the enemy will bring you through, put you through. Man, that is so incredibly strong. When you were speaking, I, I, I was reminded of the truth is this, is that the enemy always loves to play mind games with us. You know, I mean, there's always this, this spiritual warfare that takes place in our mind. And, uh, and I think that, that you were probably talking to a far greater number of people than you even planned to that deals with these mind games where the enemy just, I mean, he just unloads in your mind. And I think that, I don't think that I know that because of scripture, that even, even Jesus understood the spiritual warfare that you and, I, you and I would have today in our mind. Because 2,000 years ago when he was crucified on the cross, he died at the place called Golgotha. And Golgotha literally means the place of the skull. And tell me where your mind is located. In the skull. And so 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus defeated the enemy where the enemy tries to attack you the most in today. And that's not how this works. The enemy has been defeated. Do you receive that? Come on. There is freedom. I speak freedom in your mind. What a word. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Uh, I mean, we're, we're just getting started. Let me introduce you to our next speaker. He's got five minutes, and I don't want to take up his time. Uh, when we made the decision to uh, make some transition in leadership and our approach to student ministry, we felt the need uh, to be specific in our ministry to middle schoolers and then also our ministry to high schoolers, those 9, 10, 11, 12th graders, because, again, those adolescent years are so critical. Uh, many of you are parents and grandparents, and you know the challenges that just come from being a teenager and having teenagers. So we knew the decision was easy to bring Christina on board, and you can see the fruit of that decision because she's anointed and fantastic. And then we began the process of interviewing candidates for the high school role. And we interviewed uh, a handful or more individuals that had submitted resumes, each one of them with unique gifts, talents, and abilities, each one very anointed, each one with specific qualifications. But at some point in the process, Kimberly and myself and our team and the executive leadership team, we just felt kind of a check in our spirit that this wasn't the right individual or that wasn't the right individual until one day, and I'll get to tell you the story at a later point, God literally dropped 
Quay Jennings into our lap. A supernatural conversation was had, and we knew immediately, I knew in my heart immediately that Quay was the right guy for the job. He's been on the team for a number of months, and he is absolutely just a blessing to this church, to the high schoolers, and to our whole team, and I'm excited for you to get the opportunity to hear from him. Would you put your hands together and welcome our high school director, Quay Jennings. Come on. All right, so I don't have much time. We got five minutes, so we're going to roll, and I need you guys to keep up with me, okay? So the, um, I'm going to be actually speaking from 1 Samuel 16 and 17. I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but I implore you, read the Bible for yourselves. There's something special when you open the Word of God and you actually put it in you for yourself. Like you can listen to it all day, but actually reading it, actually taking that time out of your day, actually saying, God, you're important enough for me to learn about you, let me read about you, does something. Let's pray. God, I just pray that in these next four minutes, Lord, they would hear you and not me. Lord, that you would speak to your people, that you would speak to their hearts, and their hearts would be open to receive what you have for them, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so what I want to talk to you guys about today is that preparation is a part of the process. Preparation is a part of the process because so often I feel like we want to get to where we want to get to. We receive a promise and we just think, okay, well, then why am I not there today? We receive a word from God, and we're like, God, it must be coming to pass this month, Lord. I pray it in, and it just doesn't happen that way all the time. Why? Preparation is a part of the process. I want to talk to you guys today about King David. But before he was King David, there was a King Saul. And when King Saul was in power, he was a man of God. He was doing everything that he could to be the man of God. But eventually with time, he began to think that, oh, I, I can do this my own way. I've been doing this for a number of years. I've, I've got experience underneath my belt, and I need, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need God as much as I thought that I did. I'm going to handle this. And you see, what happened was he got so far from God that eventually God said, I have to remove his anointing and set it on someone else. You see, because somebody can stay in leadership but not have the anointing of God on them. Somebody can still be in leadership but lack God's anointing because he has taken it away. And so what happened was he sent his prophet Samuel to go and anoint the next king. So he sent Samuel to Jesse's house, and Jesse was fruitful, and he multiplied, so he had 13 boys. 13. And so Samuel walked in and said, okay, I'm here, you know, to anoint the next king. And Jesse said, I got the boys for you. You are going to be blown away. And he sends his sons in front of him, and they're big, and they're muscular, and they look like the king. Looking at them, you would say, oh my gosh, he looks like a king, he talks like the king, he is the king. And so Samuel was getting ready to anoint him, and God said, hold on. Because I don't look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. And aren't we so glad that God looks at the heart today? Aren't we so glad that God can see past the exterior, the things that people can fake, and looks at who we truly are on the inside? And so God said, this is not the one that I want you to anoint. And so Jesse proceeded to send his next son, and they still said, God still said, no, that's not the one. And Jesse put in front of Samuel 12 of his sons, and none of them were meant to be king. And eventually Samuel said, you have to have another son. And Jesse's response was, yeah, there's another one, but he's out there watching the sheep. You see, Jesse did not even call his son by his name. He called him by a characteristic of what he was doing. And if you don't know who you are, you will allow people to call you by what you are doing at that moment or by a mistake that you made in the past or by something that is holding you back. And God is trying to tell you that so much more is inside of you than what, is, than what people are calling you. And so if you live by people's judgments, you will ever, never meet God's expectation because you're always afraid of what people are saying about you. But sometimes you have to drop that off and just allow God to work in your life. 
And so when David came, he was anointed to be king. And so that means he's going to the palace, right? That's, his, that's how we think. God said that he was going to give me a financial blessing. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And y'all be jumping up and down. But where was his next move? He actually went to go back to the sheep. Because David understood that just because he was anointed doesn't mean that it was God's time for him to move into what he told him that he would do. You see, because he knew that God had given him a promise. But that promise was not meant for that day. So he went back to what he was doing and, faith, and was faithful with what he was doing beforehand. You see, the problem with so many of us is that we get a promise and all of a sudden we think, okay, I need to go there tomorrow. Can I catch a ride to the palace because I'm about to kick Saul out. I'm about to be the king. And that's all, so many of our hearts. But you know the next thing that he did after he was uh, shepherding? King Saul, because he lacked the anointing of God, began to be tormented by an impure spirit. And they said, we need a musician. Do you know anyone? And they said, you know what? Jesse's son plays when he's shepherding. You see, because it was in the place of his preparation that they noticed what he had inside of him. And although they pulled him into the palace for a different reason than what he was called to, David was humble enough to go and serve. He was humble enough to go and serve the king that had lost his anointing. Because even though the king wasn't right with God, David still understood how to honor leadership. And so my question for you is, are you honoring the leaders who are above you who aren't doing the things that they are supposed to be doing? Are you honoring the people who are above you who are struggling with their job? Or are you the pain in them while they're trying to do their job? I'm over my time and I'm going to finish now. But I want you guys to remember this. God will never elevate what's prideful. And so I want to ask you guys today, how humble are you? You can have God's promises, you can have God's anointing, but if you don't have humility, you have nothing. I'm disappointed. Because you should have dropped that mic when you were done, son. Come on, one more time. Was that not? <laughs> what? Good night. There is, if, you, if you're taking notes, come on, write this one thought down. There is preparation in the process for what God has taken you to. Don't, don't over, don't, do not despise small beginnings. Don't overlook what season you're in right now. God's not forgotten. He's just preparing you. And maybe, just maybe, he's stripping away some of that pride because God cannot elevate what's prideful. Come on, that's so good. Can we just bless the Lord? I feel like that's appropriate. All right. We're going, to keep, we're going to keep moving. Hey, what an honor it is uh, to have with us Pastor Jennifer Addison. She's been leading our kids' ministry for a number of years. You got to see her leading that choir uh, earlier. She was promoting the upcoming kids' musical that's taking place next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Another plug. Did I do that well? Thank you so much. She's incredibly gifted, uh, super anointed, and I know that sometimes she probably gets frustrated with my conversations with her because I have two children under her leadership. So I'm always, of any ministry in the church, always asking specifically about kids' ministry and how things are looking and how they're going. Uh, but she is just an exceptional leader, and we're so blessed. Uh, would you put your hands together and help me welcome our kids' pastor, Jen Addison. Come on, if you love her, let her know. Good morning. 
Tracy, thank you. That was such sweet words. Love it. When Pastor JC told us what today's topic would be, uh, what is the main thing that God has been speaking to you or lay on your heart? My mind immediately went to doing hard things. And I believe that if we are the Christian who, are, who is listening to the, word, the voice of God and, and constantly pursuing what he has for us, He's going to push us to do hard things. He's going to push us out of our comfort zone. The Bible, it's riddled with stories of people who were, were just that. They were pushed out of their comfort zone. God called them to do something that they couldn't do on their own. You think about Esther. Esther was just a woman who was living her life. And because she said yes to a hard thing, something that she probably didn't feel qualified to do, something that she probably thought, oh, my goodness, I would have been shaken in my boots, you know. I have to go before the king. But because she said yes to a hard thing, Something that was out of her comfort zone, things changed for a nation. You think about David all the times that things were hard for him, but he said yes. He stepped up. You think about Gideon. I mean, God just kept pulling people away from him, but he did it. He said yes to a hard thing. And I know you may have something in your life, maybe that God has been nudging you towards, something hard, something that you know is going to take you out of your comfort zone. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to... It's going to require something of you. It could be something as simple as, man, I want my family to go deeper in Christ. It's going to require something of you. Maybe you want to lead them in a family devotion. Maybe it's to join a ministry. Maybe it's to forgive someone who's hurt you. That can be hard. That can be hard sometime. It's, it's taking that step out of our comfort zone. Now, each, each and every one of our hard things are, are different. Yours is different than mine. But here's the thing that remains the same, him. The same God who qualified and equipped Esther to step in front of that king to do that hard thing. The same God who equipped David, who helped Gideon. He's the same one who's going to be there for us. When we have to step out of that comfort zone and say yes to something that's hard. Something that we don't feel qualified to do. In Philippians 4.13, this is what it says. It reminds us, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. When I read that verse, this is how I feel. I feel like 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Because right there, I mean, that arms me with everything I need to say yes. Right there. In him, I can do all things. He's going to give me the strength. He's going to give me everything I need to do it, just speaking those words that has power over our life. So here are some things that I've learned in the past couple months after I said yes to something that was particularly hard, something I didn't feel qualified to do, something that I didn't know how it would go. It was uncertain. But because I said yes, I knew that he was going to bring something beautiful out of it. Number one, we must be obedient to his voice. When you hear that Holy Spirit speaking to you, when he just keeps nudging you, that's him. You better listen. You better listen. Number two, it will cost you something. It will cost time. It will cost effort. It may cost lots of bending low to pray because you're going to need him. Number three, you need to trust the process. Be confident in the confidence that he has in you. 
that's one, that's one of those areas that I have learned a lot in the past couple months. He's some reason he has some confidence in me. And I think it's just because I want to hear his voice. I want to say yes to what he has for me. So trust the process. Be confident in the confidence that he has in you. In 2 Corinthians, this is what it says. It says, his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Number four, you will see God's hand at work. When you say yes to hard things, when you say yes to something that's out of your comfort zone, you will see God's hand at work. It's not an if, it's not a maybe, you will. And I want to end with this. Now, I have lots of examples I'd love to share with you, but here's the main thing. I challenge you to be that catalyst for change. Do the hard things, the things that, that make you want to tiptoe out of your comfort zone, trusting God all the way to the place that he has prepared for you. And in that place, when you say yes, you're clearly going to see his hand at work. Come on, church. Such a good word. Oh, come on, put your hands together right there. You know, in, in, the, uh, in the first uh, s gathering that we had, the first service that we did, I really felt the Holy Spirit say while Pastor Jin was speaking, and he reminded me of this uh, the second time around, that I believe that in 2019, God desires to nudge you into a walk-on-water moment. God's desire in this new year is to nudge you to have this walk-on-water moment. Now, about that moment, two things you have to know, and I'm going to do this really fast. Uh, number one is this. God never calls us to do what is comfortable. Never. God will never call you to do something that's comfortable. Why? Two reasons. Number one, because when it's comfortable, then you're confident in yourself. When it's comfortable, you're confident in you. Instead of saying, God, you've got this, you say, it's comfortable, I've got this. So God will never call you to something that's comfortable because he wants your confidence to be in him and not in yourself. Come on, give me a good amen right there. And the second reason that God will never call you to something that's comfortable is because God does not care about your comfort. He doesn't care about your comfortability. God cares about your character, and it's in the hard things that God develops our character. So he doesn't call you to things that feel good. He calls you to hard things, so then in the hard things, you can say yes to God, and in the hard things, he can mold you and shape you and make you into the man, woman, husband, father, sister, wife, whoever you are, that's who he's calling you to be. Come on and give Jesus a big amen right there. Awesome job. Come on, are they not doing fantastic today? Man, I think my job is on the line here. All right, last but absolutely not least is Pastor Trey Powell, and he is no stranger to this church. He's no stranger to this pulpit. As a matter of fact, for the last five years, he and his wife, Monty, have been serving as the student ministry pastors here at South Metro. A few months ago, we made a strategic change in leadership, and we elevated some of his responsibilities to an associate pastor here at the church. He's over all of the discipleship now at South Metro, which include Next Generation Ministry, which is kids' ministry, middle school, high school, and into college. He oversees all of the groups that we have, our small group community, which is incredibly important because we believe that real life change happens in the context of relationships. And then he also oversees our move track, which is uh, such an incredible 
three-step class that helps you learn more about who you are and also learn about who we are as a church. Trey is a phenomenal preacher. How many have ever heard Pastor Trey preach before? Come on. Phenomenal preacher. Put your hands together. Welcome to the pulpit, Pastor Trey Powell. Yeah, Pastor said, uh, you've got five minutes, and I said, don't hold your breath. So I, I just I, I want to share a story with you today. Uh, you know, I, I, if you've ever heard me preach, you know I like to share stories. And when I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do was to go with my mom to the grocery store. Now, I didn't enjoy the shopping experience. I, you can ask my wife. I still hate to shop. But I enjoyed going with my mom to the grocery store. We lived in a small town in South Georgia, and it was almost living in the 1800s where you hitch up the wagon and you go into town. We'd basically do that on Fridays. Mom would come, she'd pick us up from school, and she'd take us uh, into town because we lived so far out, and we'd go into town and we'd go to the grocery store, and there were two things that I knew were going to happen if I went with her to the grocery store. Number one, I knew that I could talk her into buying me my favorite snack. Come on, somebody. I knew I was going to be able to get a big old bag of Doritos and a Coca-Cola, and I was going to be able to enjoy my favorite snack. Then I also knew that I would be able to talk my mom into taking me across the street to the Blockbuster and renting a movie. Now, some of y'all, y'all are too young. You don't understand what a Blockbuster is. It's a store where you go and rent these things called VHS tapes, and you take them home, and you put them in a VCR, and you watch your favorite movie that way. Be kind. Please rewind. So we'd go and we'd rent the movie and we'd get our, our favorite snack. And, but one of the things I always wanted to do because I hated shopping was I'd always beg my mom, Mom, please, can I push the shopping cart? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wanted to push the shopping cart. Why? Because I wanted to grab those bars. I wanted to put my feet up on the bar on the bottom and kick that thing off and go riding through the store. I'm 35 and I still ride it. If you're ever at Walmart and you see me there, you're probably going to see me riding that buggy around in the store. And so I'd tell my mom, Mom, please, can I push the shopping cart? And every time she'd say, no, Trey. Do you know kids don't give up easily? Mom, please, can I push the shopping cart? Mom, please, Mom, please. And finally she had had enough. Fine, Trey, yes, you can push the shopping cart. Oh, man, it's best day ever. I'm about to take off in this thing. I'm going to destroy this store, y'all. I get my hands on that bar. I prop my foot up. And just as I'm about to shove off, I see my mom's hand slowly rest on the side of that cart. See, what I realized in that moment is that even though I had the handlebars, I didn't have control. My mom had control of that cart. Everywhere I tried to go, she'd steer that thing right, left. Every time I tried to go fast, she'd slow it down. When I saw the little old lady across the store and I'm about to hit her, she'd stop that thing, slow it down. I didn't have control. She had control the whole time. And you know, I got to thinking about it. Isn't it the same way with us and God? You know, we tell God, God, you can have control. God, here's my life. I lay it all down. We come to the altar and we lay all our stuff out before him. God, here I am. Take all of me. And God's like, okay, that's what I've been waiting for. What I, Jesus, take the will. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Finally, you're going to trust me. You haven't trusted me until this point. Now you're finally going to trust me. I'm going to take the will of your life. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to direct you. And God grabs the will of our life, and he begins to lead us, and then he begins to take us to places that are uncomfortable for us. And he begins to lead us in a direction that we don't want to go. 
He leads us to a place where the relationship that we're in cannot go with us, and so we've got to leave the relationship behind. But, oh, God, I love him so much, and he makes me feel so good. God, I don't know if I can fulfill the dreams and the destiny that you have for me because of this over here. I'm afraid, God, I'm going to lose this over here. So, God, I don't know if I can trust you. And God's got the will of our life, but we get uncomfortable, so we reach over and grab it again. We say, God, I, I don't know, God, I, I, I love you and I trust you, but, but I, I don't know that I, I like where we're going, so I'm going to drive for a little bit. And I was reading in the book of Matthew chapter 16, God's been speaking to me through this particular verse of Scripture. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, let him deny himself, give up control, Pick up his cross and follow me. If you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll give up your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel, you will find life. Church, hear me today. God has life for you. God's got something waiting on you, a dream, a destiny, a purpose. But you're too busy holding on to the junk of your old life. He's over here saying, hey, give me control because I've got something better for you. Jesus said in John 10, 10 that he came to give us life and life to the full. Can I tell you today, the life God has for you is better than the one you're holding on to. That the place God is trying to take you is better than the place that you've been. God's trying to get you somewhere, but you just won't let go. You're afraid he's going to take something away. Can I tell you this? That God never takes anything from you without giving you something better in return. See, he's here today saying, hey, I've got a better life for you. I've got a better direction for you. Will you trust me and let go? See, the kingdom of God is all about losing control. It's all about saying, God, here I am. I'm just a jar. I'm just a vessel. God, here I am. I lay myself out before you. God, use me. Take me. Mold me. Shape me. Do with me what you want to do. God, I give up control. And the question that I believe the Lord is asking us today is what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to in your life today? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's a relationship. God, I don't know what it is today, but you know in your heart what it is that you've been white-knuckling so hard, afraid to let go of and just trust God with it. Can I encourage you today? Let it go. Let go of that life you're holding on to. Let go of those things that are holding you back. Let go and see God show up and do something in your life that will absolutely blow your mind. Will you trust him today? That's the question today. Will you trust him? Amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Come on, can you give Jesus the best praise you've got? Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Oh, man, so much. The one thing that he said, if you're taking notes, the life God has for you is better than the one you're holding on to. There, there's uh, an old chorus, an old song. Some of you may know it. Uh, this might be the first time some of you have heard the lyrics. But it says something like this. Lead me, Lord. I will follow Lead me, Lord, I will go. You have called me, so I will answer. Lead me, Lord, and I will go. Shouldn't that be the prayer of our hearts? 
that God, I want to, I just want to let go. And I think that some of you, you have such a tight grip on your life. And you're holding on to those things, worried about the outcome if you let God just be God. And I'm telling you that if you want things to be different in 2019 compared to they are in 2018, you have to let go. You have to let go. And you have to say, God, I trust you with my whole heart and to say, God, I, I give you all, every part of me, every part of me from, from my, my faith to my family to my children to my finances, no matter what it is, I trust you and I give it to you.